morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well. It is a beautiful day. You guys look great. I'm glad you're here. Thank you, worship team. You guys are amazing today. Yeah, yeah they're, they're always they're always good, but man, it's good. Your guests, we're glad you're here. We want to welcome you. We want you to feel at home. We want you to feel comfortable. But we want you to have an uh, interaction with Jesus today that changes your life because that's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. Amen? Amen. 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 All right, let's get to work. Who's ever been told you're different? <laughs> I got so many people that can relate right now. We're starting a series today called Different. And you should, most, again, most of us will relate to this. Who had it followed by, bless their heart? <laughs> One, two, three, four, a few of you. Different is not usually used in a complimentary context. When someone tells you you're different, it's normally something that you're not doing right, you're odd, you don't fit in. Most of the time when someone says that you're different, it's meant to point out that you're not doing things like they think you, that you should do them or in a normal manner. You're just different. Bless your heart. <laughs> like this. I'm not going to out anybody. I'll use myself. It's not that Scott doesn't fit in. He's just different. <laughs> It's not that you're doing a bad job, it's just different. It's not wrong, it's just different. He's just different, bless his heart. For anyone in here who doesn't know, if anyone ever says anything to you and ends it with bless your heart, they're slamming you. It's not a compliment. They're letting you know that you're deficient in some area of your life and you're not doing something correctly or you just don't possess the ability to do things like they think you should. So bless your heart. <laughs> there you go. So this is about different. You get the point. Different is usually uh, a way to tell someone they don't fit in, they don't measure up, or that they're doing something incorrectly. In this series, we're going to talk about being different. We're going to talk about some things and how we live, how we love, how we give, how we speak we're going to examine our default settings as human beings, our behaviors, what our go-to behavior is, and we're going to discover how followers of Christ, Christians, behave or live differently after coming into contact with Jesus Christ. And hopefully each week and, and hopefully definitely by the end of the series, instead of feeling less than when someone says you're different, you'll feel confident in knowing whose you are and who you are and why you are, in fact, different. And hopefully at the end of this, you can celebrate the fact that you're different. Remember this, only dead fish go with the flow. <laughs> my, my kids had two goldfish when they, they weren't goldfish, they were betas, so we had to keep them separated. Um, and my kids always have the, this this ability to have real complicated names for their pets. We had a beta that was red and a beta that was blue. And it was big red and big blue. <laughs> they had uh, what, what those lizards that shed their skin, what are they called? Gecko. They had one of those and he was gold, so they called him Goldie. And, and one, one day when you walk in and, and big red or big blue are, are belly up, 
what do you do? You go buy another one because they can't tell the difference. And they never know the fish died. And they get flushed. Except one day when one found the fish dead, we had to go in the backyard and bury the fish and create a headstone for the fish and the whole thing. So only dead fish go with the flow. I believe it's not only okay that we're different. I believe that we are expected and we are called to be different. The Bible says that we're salt and light to the earth. That means we shed light and we season the world around us. We're not seasoned by the world around us. Does that make sense? A couple references before we jump off and get going. 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, or a woman, that's gender neutral there. <laughs> Come on. We got to have fun or we can't do this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. So if we become new in Christ, that means something old must cease to be. If you get something new, the old goes away. So something old is ceasing to be. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, gender specific, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, King James says, acceptable to God, this is your true and proper worship or reasonable service. Don't be or don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We're going to unpack this. It's easy to gloss over scripture and read it and, and not really grasp everything it's saying. It doesn't serve us well when we do that. So we've been through this, this particular passage a lot this year. In view of, what's, of what God has done for you, offer yourself to him. I give myself away. You know the song? I'm not going to sing. I give myself away. Why? So you can use me. It's easier said than done. I'm offering myself to God, holy and acceptable. We'll talk about that later. It's our reasonable service. This is the threshold of acceptability, of who and what we're called to be, giving ourselves to the service of Jesus Christ. And the rest of this passage, let's, let's break it down a little bit. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed how? Not by what you say, not by how you act, but by the renewing of your mind, because everything that we are, everything that, we'll, that we will be flows from where? Our mind. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. Uh, the first takeaway for, uh, of, of this is that the pattern or the norms of the world are what we need to be transformed from. What does that mean? Be transformed away from the pattern of the world. The pattern that we're given by society is flawed. It's broken. The pattern of society, the lifestyles that are promoted, what is deemed acceptable will take you farther from God rather than closer to him. It was that way 2,000 years ago, and it remains that way today. Don't conform to what the world has deemed normal and acceptable. I'm different in how I live. I'm different in how I live. In what areas? In how I live my life. Integrity. Integrity. Character. Relationships. Sexuality. Yes, I said that in church. Sexuality. Morality. Behavior. All those things. I'm different in those areas of my life than what society says I can be. 
Because society says I can live any way I choose to live, any way that feels good to me, and that's acceptable. And that flies in the face and is in direct opposition to what the Word of God says. The Word of God says I should live a very specific way. Why? Because I am the temple of God. So don't believe in, don't act on, don't teach your kids or anyone else your default settings. We're going to talk about those in a minute. Your default settings are the person that you were when Jesus saved you. Think about that for a minute. The places you went, the places that you were when God found you, your default settings, my default settings, led us to those places. The pattern that society set for us led us to those places in those circumstances. So don't teach those to your kids. Don't teach your kids that anything goes. Don't teach your kids do whatever you want to make yourself happy. Those are not godly values. Those are not godly settings. They're default settings of a broken and sinful nature. And we can't propagate those or pass those on. I know it seems rough, but stay with me. We're going we're gonna to be okay. So what's our default setting? The Bible says that we're born sinners. That's our default setting. We are born sinners. Our default is to get angry at the drop of a hat. Think about it. You're in traffic. That's the easiest thing to use that we can all relate to. Because even if you don't drive, if you're a passenger, you can see the stupidity of people around you. You can see the moment when you're, when you're too deep at a light or three deep at a light and the person in front doesn't release their brake and hit their gas quite quick enough for the person right behind them. It's on, man. It's like ro the Royal Rumble at the traffic light. There are horns blaring. There are fingers flying. There's, there's rolling down the windows and sticking heads out and cursing people out. That's our, that's our default setting. Where is Jesus exalted in any of that? I knew I was in trouble when I was driving down the road one day and a kid in a booster seat called somebody an idiot. <laughs> it happened. And I didn't do it first that time. But I had done it enough when they were silent that they knew when somebody did something stupid in another car. Idiot. That's my exact inflection. It's like, idiot. And that was the exact inflection that came from the back seat. And I knew right then that I wasn't doing everything that I needed to do to raise a kid that didn't call people idiots. And then I had to undo some stuff. They're image bearers. They're made in God's image. They're not really idiots. We just get frustrated. I'm a sinner. All those things had to happen. And if you're not careful, we will let our default settings take over and we'll have to undo some things with our kids. I hope we do. We really shouldn't act that way. We, we really shouldn't say those things. You, you see where I'm going. Our default settings will get us in trouble and our default settings will not glorify God. Our default settings will not glorify God. Our default setting says, I want revenge on the person who hurt me. And that's when we, wanna, we really want to live in the Old Testament in that instance. I mean, we don't want to live by the rest of it because we'll get stoned. Everyone is, every one of us in this room is dead. Dead. Because if you don't live by the law, what happens? You get stoned. Not just you get stoned. 
Not in a good way. In the way they throw rocks at you until you're dead. But we want revenge when somebody hurts us. We want to make that person hurt. We want to make that person feel as badly as we did when they hurt us. That's our default setting to take revenge. Our, our, Our default setting is to elbow past someone in line. Who's been in line at Walmart? We can all relate to this. And you see a line of 45 people and you're trying to figure out how to get in front of it. Or let's go back to traffic. We're coming out of the city on, on Sunday and, and they, of course, got a, a tube closed and, and so many lanes closed at Fort McHenry that everybody's coming out of these tubes and trying to go into two lanes to get through the toll. Frustrating, right? So, man, I get in line. We're inching up, inching up, inching up. And here comes this car from New York. I've been sitting there for five minutes, and I see them from way back, way back, and they, they, they want to come in like this and get in front of me. What do you do there? It's the principle of not elbowing in line. It's the principle of not cutting. I will tell you, I didn't let them in. I got so close to the car in front of me that there, is no, there was no chance they were getting in. The person behind me got so close to me, there was no chance. They ended up like three, four cars back. Was God glorified? No. But our default setting is not only to elbow our place in line, but to keep the person from elbowing in. It's just who we are. And if that, that part of us, that flesh inside of us that rises up that says, you're not going to take advantage of me. You shouldn't have done that. It's our default setting. It's our default setting to take advantage of situations and people. Nobody, nobody will know. Nobody sees. Nobody's watching. This isn't going to hurt anybody. This is just going to impact me. It's my default setting to make sure that I'm taken care of first. It's a me first mentality. It's a me first. These are the false settings of a sinful fallen nature, and now I've got to hurry. But the scripture says, be transformed, be changed, be different. When God transforms us, when he makes us new, we move beyond our default settings into something else. By renewing our mind as, as we think we are, so as we think differently, as we, as we pursue Jesus, we change. Whatever you think about yourself, you're right. Does that make sense? If you're like the dude from, from way back at Saturday Night Live that would sit in the chair and talk to the mirror, who remembers that? I'm, I'm aging myself here. I'm dating myself. I'm, it's, it's Stuart Smalley. I'm good enough and doggone it, people like me. He would have this whole mantra he would, he would say to the mirror as he's looking in the mirror, and he would just pumping himself up. Whatever you think about yourself, you're right. Whatever you think about yourself, you will eventually become. Show me your five closest friends. Show me their habits and behavior, and I will show you your future. That got quiet. Because what goes in will come out. Change how you think. Change what you think about, and your life will change. 2 Corinthians 10 says this, The weapons we fight with aren't the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. 
and we take captive. This is the this is the the piece right here. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I have the ability and you have the ability when my mind starts to wonder, when your mind starts to w a n d wander into areas that aren't going to be productive, that are going to lead me down the wrong road. I have the power to harness those thoughts and bring those thoughts captive. That means I arrest them. I hold them. I don't let them go. And I, at that point, I can manipulate my own thinking. It's the best form of mind control that you will ever see in your life. And it's you controlling your own mind. It's you controlling your own thoughts to make sure that your default settings don't rise up in you and take you somewhere that you don't want to go and have you doing things that you don't need to do. It's how I live. And we think that, that when we come to Jesus and, and, and our, our life changes and, and we start this path that it's a one-time transaction and then it's all over and we're good. The Apostle Paul said, I die when? Daily. Daily. That means I'm talking to God daily. I'm, I'm examining my thoughts and my actions and how I live. I am different than everyone else because I do this every day and I make sure my relationship with God is what it's supposed to be. Thought control. They're my thoughts. They're my thoughts. No one's telling me what to think. They're mine. And I choose to control them. So you can prove. Why all this? So you can prove God's perfect and pleasing will in your life. And now we can go home, right? Nope. Not quite. So if we go back to the first verse we read about us being new creatures and something old ceasing to be, we understand the meaning of what Paul was saying here. If we're truly following Christ, if we're really pursuing him, I said a few weeks ago, we have, you, you, you fit into one of two categories. You're either following Jesus and, and, and living according to what he is showing you in your life. And it's a process. You're not going to know everything on day one. You're not going to know everything on day 749. It's a process. It's a process. You either are seeking Jesus or seeking justification for your behavior. You can't fit into another category. You're either seeking Jesus and he's changing your life or you're, you're just trying to justify what you want to do. If we're allowing him into every single part of our lives, our minds focused on him, we will change. He doesn't conform or change to fit what we want. He doesn't change to fit into our lifestyle. We change to fit into his plan. We change to follow his wishes and his plan for our life and the mandates he's given us in scripture. And if, if, if we're allowing Jesus into every part of our life, our life will be impacted not just on Sunday morning. Who? That's tough. Let's look, let's look in, in chapter 12, further down, this, these ideas of, of what he was saying. Verse 3 said, don't be arrogant, be humble. Verses 4 to 8 said, find your God calling and purpose and you do it well. That's why we have growth track. Session 4 is today. Session 1 will start next week. If, you're not, if you haven't gone through it, go through it. Find your God calling and your purpose and you do it well. Verse 9, love sincerely, don't be fake. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Love you, man. Love you, girl. Don't be fake. Love sincerely. Be concerned. Hate what is evil and hold on to what is good. Verse 10, be devoted to each other in love. Honor others above yourself. 
not me first. Verse 11, don't be slothful or lagging behind. Serve the Lord with enthusiasm. I love that. Verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in trial, and faithful in prayer. What part of these sound like who, who my sinful, flawed, default settings are? None of it. Verse 13, share with those in need. Practice hospitality. Verse 14, bless people who do you wrong. Let them in traffic. Don't blow your horn at them. Don't flip them off. Don't curse them out. Bless people who do you wrong. Bless and don't curse. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud or exclude people you see as below you. Verse 17, don't repay evil with evil. Be careful to do what is right. Verse 18, this is a big one. If possible, as it depends on you, you do your part to live at peace with everyone. Some people may not accept it. Some people it may not be possible with. But as far as what you have to do and your responsibility, live at peace with everyone. That means forgive and apologize. What did Jesus say on the cross? One of the last things he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They didn't ask for forgiveness. They didn't want forgiveness. It wasn't even on their mind. But he saw you in a situation where somebody's going to hurt you and not care that you're being hurt. And he, he knew that you and I would have to forgive someone who didn't want it, nor did they deserve it. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Verse 19, don't take revenge for yourself. Let God work it out. He said, it is mine, I will repay. King James says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He's got you. He's got your back. He's got your situation. He knows where you are. He knows who's hurting you. Let him work it out. Don't try to fight that battle. Verse 21, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is how to live. This is how to live. This is, this is what happens after the transformation. This is who we become. You're not going to be that person on day two. It's going to be hard to be that person when you were saved when you were 12 and you're 47. <laughs> 35 years of practice. And you're still not going to let somebody in traffic. Or you're still going to call somebody stupid. Or you're still going to call somebody an idiot. And you have to check yourself and say, this is my default setting. And this is not who I want to be. This is not what I want to model for my kids. This is not who I want my kids to be. I don't want my kids to be saddled with the same baggage that I have. I don't want my kids to experience the same things that I did. I don't want my kids to commit the same sin that I did. So you teach them what's right. You teach them what's wrong in the eyes of God. Not what society deems as acceptable, but what's right and wrong in the eyes of God. And you let them know your mistakes. And don't say, I told them. It's their, it's their choice to make. Mm -mm. Until they're out married on their own, they're your responsibility. So you help them make their decisions. You help them make their decisions. These characteristics of a Christ follower are in direct opposition to what our society and our cultures teach. These characteristics aren't on the same page as our default settings. When God transforms us, he makes us new. We move beyond those settings. The psalmist said, I hide your word in my heart. Why? So I won't sin against you. The Bible lets us know everything that we need to know to live, to have relationships, to work 
all the things that we need, how to live, how to conduct ourselves, speak, work ethic, relationships, families, it's all there. And if we follow his plan, guess what? We're going to be different. We are going to be different. And as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, as we grow in the knowledge of Christ, we power ourselves further away from our default settings. I told you a few weeks ago, Trisha and I went fishing. We're in a boat. We had, had a little motor, and, and we're, we're trying to fish this cove, and the water's just coming in, coming in, coming in, and, and we're trying to, you know, we're trying to fish, but I'm trying to keep us out of the trees that are in the water, and, and you cast once, and then you start the motor and pull out. You cast once, you start the motor, and you back back out. Why? Because the current keeps pushing you in. The current never stops. The current never stops. You have to fight the current the entire time you're sitting there trying to fish. Your default settings never stop. Your flesh is never truly gone. It's frustrating at times, but it will never leave you. It's like Jesus. It will never leave you, and you will constantly have to power yourself away and power yourself. How do you do that? By devoting yourself to following Jesus, by being in his word, by communicating with him in prayer. That's what we use to keep ourselves away from our default settings. But as we grow in our relationship with him, we become more like him. Ephesians 4 says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. This is, this is beyond being transformed. You were taught about your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. You're like, not me. I'm like, you're lying. We're all that way. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We're created to be like him. And in relationship with him, as we grow in him, we get closer and we become more righteous and we become more holy. That's moving away from our default sinful settings. And the rest of this chapter goes on to address our lifestyle and lets us know some behaviors that we should avoid if we're going to be more like Jesus. I challenge you to read Ephesians 4 this week. If we neglect our relationship with Jesus and we choose not to grow, everything's a choice. If we just think we're going to be okay coming to church for an hour and ten minutes on Sunday morning... And we choose not to develop at all beyond that. We drift back toward our default settings and of selfishness and destructive behaviors, and we struggle the whole time. We struggle, struggle, struggle. Why can't I be better? Why can't I do better? My new phrase my kids told me yesterday is, I've been saying we just have to do better. I'm, again, driving yesterday. See how God works on, works on me and works on my attitude and my spirit. I'm driving yesterday. The speed limit is 50. And dude is driving 30. And what did I say? I didn't call him an idiot. I'm doing better. I didn't say idiot. I said, come on, man. You got to do better. <laughs> See my personal growth? Yeah. The Lord's working on me. And I'm not saying idiot. I'm just saying, come on, man. We got to do better. Let's, let's do better. I'm trying to encourage. <laughs> I'm trying to be an encourager of, of everyone around me instead of calling them names. <laughs> but if we don't grow our relationship with Jesus, if we don't grow in knowledge of him by devoting ourselves to his word, we're going to drift back toward default settings and we're, we're going to struggle to be better. We're going to struggle to do better and we're going to be frustrated all the time. 
You can't, you can't hold on to the ideals and, 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 and things of culture and society and try to follow Jesus at the same time. You've got to pick one because they don't mesh. They don't mesh. Our relationship with Jesus must be what? First, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We consciously make a decision to follow Jesus. We consciously make a decision to give our lives to him. We consciously make decisions daily that either bring us closer to him and his plan for our life or takes us farther away. And those decisions will either make you like everybody else or will make you more like Jesus. Someone asked this question. It's been probably 10 years ago. I'm going to ask it today. If, you were, if somebody just walked up to you and, and accused you of, of being a Christian, of being a Christ follower, would there be enough evidence in your life outside of Sunday morning to convict you? If your life was on trial, mm, this is how we live. Are you different or are you just like the rest of society? Would there be enough evidence from Monday to Saturday in your life to convict you of being a follower of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 6, Paul reminds us, don't you, don't you remember that you're God's temple? He lives inside of you, and everywhere you go, he's there. Everything you say, he's there. Every way you live, he's there. Don't you remember that you're God's temple? He said, come out from among them and be separate. He didn't say segregate yourself, no. He said be separate. The Bible also says that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. That's how we live. We don't act like everybody around us. We don't speak like everyone around us. We don't live like everyone, and we don't love like that. We've got to be who God has called us to be. I have to be alert daily. Every single day, I have to know me. The problem a lot of us have is we're delusional about ourselves, is we think we don't have some of the shortcomings that we do. I know me pretty well. I made a point to know me. Why? Because Satan knows me. Yes, Jesus knows me. He knows how many hairs I have on my head. It's a lot. I apologize to the girl who cuts my hair because she has to cut it like every three weeks. And I, I, I tell her I'm a chia pet because my hair just grows. And it just grows so fast and there's so much of it. But Satan knows me like Jesus knows me. He knows my shortcomings. He knows my faults. He knows my weaknesses. He knows what I like. 1 Peter 5 says, be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeing whom he can devour. He knows me. He knows you. He knows your weaknesses, and he knows just what it could take to trip you up. And he can put something in your path. If you haven't been talking to Jesus, if you haven't been putting yourself in his word, if you haven't been living like you need to live, he can put something in your path for a few times. He, and he knows. It may not be the first time. It might not be the second time. But time three, four, or five, you're going to bite. And then you're going to have to deal with regret and shame and all those things that you have to work through to get back to where you were. Today, make a choice to be different. Decide to live differently. 
decide to put God first in your life. Here's a big one. Decide to let God have access to every single part of your life, not just Sunday mornings. And I commend everyone that's here because it's easy just to sleep in on Sunday and mow your lawn or wash your car, go to the grocery, whatever it is you need to do. That's our default setting. But you've already made one giant leap for yourself, not for mankind, but for yourself. To be here, to get yourself out of bed, to hoist yourself out of your comfortable bed, and to get here. You've already done something different than, than most of the world does. But decide to let God have, have access to every single part of your life, not just Sunday mornings. At one point, Joshua was speaking to the children of Israel, and he brought them to a point of decision, confrontation. He confronted them and made them, I'm not going to make anybody, I'm not trying to make anybody do anything today, but he basically wedged them, forced them to a decision point. And I don't know, maybe God has, has brought some people to decision points today. Maybe you've been struggling with, with lifestyle. Maybe you've been struggling with, with decisions that you're making or have made, and maybe, maybe you're wandering a bit. I don't know. But I, I believe God has, has funneled us to this point of decision today. And here's my hope and my prayer for you. Choose to be different. Choose to come out from the norms of society. Choose to come out from the norms that are our default settings and be different. Discover who God has designed and called you to be and be that person. Whatever God has gifted you to do, do it with everything you've got. We're having week four of Growth Track today, and that's where we found out callings and giftings and personalities and all those things. And we're bringing our teams, our team leaders in, and the people who have gone through Go Track today will, will choose. My gifting says this. My passion is this. This is where I want to serve. And we're going to plug in a whole group of people today that are making decisions to serve in the kingdom of God and not just be a consumer in the kingdom of God. And that's an awesome thing. The world's full of consumers. What the world needs is more servants. What the world needs is more servants. I choose to be different. I choose to give God complete access to who I am. I commit to becoming more like Jesus. I commit to creating and modeling my family with values found in the scripture. I choose to live differently. I choose to be different. I choose to celebrate the fact that I am different. I choose. And every person in this room today, you have, a, you have the chance to say, to make this declaration, I choose to follow Jesus. I choose to let him have access to my life. I choose to, li to live differently, to, to move away from my default settings as, as a human being. I want to be more like Jesus. It's your choice. And you can choose today if you want to be different or if you want to fit in with everybody else in society. You may not fit in. Some people may not accept you and your differences. Some may say, they got religion, bless their heart. 
but you'll know they just don't know because you don't have religion. You found Jesus and you found a better way to live your life. You found a more fulfilling and more peaceful way to live your life because you met Jesus. But you know what? When those people who don't approve of your decisions, those people who say bless your heart, when those people crash and burn, you know where they're going to come? To you. Because they're going to see what's modeled in front of them is different. That you have peace, that you have stability, that you're not the, the same old person, the same mean person, the same vindictive person that you were before. They're going to see the difference. They may not verbally recognize their approval, but they're going to see something different in you. And when the needs break loose in their life, they're going to come to you and say, will you pray for me? Because my life is a mess and I need help. Our choices, our differences dictate our eternity. It's okay to be different. We're called to be different. And our differences will dictate our eternity. So celebrate the fact that you are. Celebrate the fact that you're called. Celebrate the fact that Jesus loves you and that you've heard his voice and you've answered the call. I'm different in how I live. And I don't want to feel less than because of that. I want to be excited and be proud that I'm different. I don't want to have pride. But I want to be proud. There's a difference. Let the world know who you are. If you're in a group of people, how do people know that you're different? Can they tell? Is your life just like theirs? Is your vocabulary like theirs? Is, is, if, is your lifestyle just like theirs? If so, maybe you need to look inside and say, what am I doing or what am I not doing? And the key is getting closer to Jesus. Amen. Different. This month, you're going to learn exactly how different we can be. And it's going to be fun. Embrace the fact that God has called us to be different, to be salt and light, to season this earth and show everybody, point everybody to Jesus. That's what our purpose is, is to point people to Jesus. And we can't do that if we're like everybody else. We have to be different, and we're going to be different. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Hope you have an awesome week. Pray blessings on you. Have a great one. Amen.